Hello friends, my name is Joe Bettner and this is the Eyes on Oklahoma podcast. On today's episode, we are talking with Jerry Ramsey of 107.7, the franchise in Oklahoma City. Jerry has uh, been kind enough to have me on his program and now we're uh, finally getting him on uh, our program. So uh, appreciate him for coming on and talking some OU, some big picture Big 12 stuff and just for kind of going off the rails, which is typically how my radio hits uh, on the franchise go uh, when, when he is involved. So appreciate him for coming on on. Uh, Before we get into that interview, just really want to thank everyone for subscribing both to the newsletter and the podcast. And if you're not already, uh, eyesonoklahoma.com is where you can subscribe to our pretty much daily newsletter at this point, uh, where we go over OU football and kind of break down all the important stuff and try to package it in a nice and clean way. And then thank you everyone for subscribing to the podcast, which if you're not aware, it's available on all major podcast platforms. Uh, and if you have the Apple podcast app, would appreciate if you guys could leave us a five-star rating and review. It really helps get the word out about the show. Uh, so without any further delay, here is my conversation with Jerry. Jerry, how are you doing, man? Oh, man, I'm doing great. This is all. This is awesome. I like being on this side. <laughs> I am normally on your show for the people that I, I feel like most people probably are aware that I'm a, I like to think of myself as a regular on, uh, on, on your program on the franchise, 107.7 in Oklahoma city. Um, it's, it's fun getting to talk with you all and just kind of just anxiously await whatever you're going to throw my way. And now it's kind of my turn to do the same to you on my podcast. So it's a fun time. I'm thrilled. I'm, I'm thrilled to be doing this because when I'm doing this, I don't have to parent or be a husband. So this is a, uh, this is really good. I and mean, it just takes away, you know, I, I do the radio stuff, but my real job is as soon as I get home, uh, because I am constantly juggling uh, being a fantastic husband and a uh, tremendous father. So that, that's tough. It's really tough. Is this why you've been picking up extra shifts with Tyler Media at different stations? Expe- expectations are high. And so, I mean, no, I, here's the deal, Joe, and, 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 and you'll figure this out later on in life. I'm going to die. I, like, I, I think we all do. Uh, and so before I die, I just want to make sure that I, I cover every base and what I do and with the ability to, you know, do the throwback hip hop and R and B to do the classic rock stuff and do, you know, the, the stuff I do with Dylan and Kelly, uh, on the radio. I just, I'm, do, I'm doing what I want to do. And when I die, like you'll come to my funeral and you're like, well, that guy got to do whatever he wanted to. There's no regrets, right? No regrets. Is that what they say on the tattoo? No, no regrets. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're right and, there. And I'm a great husband and a tremendous father. So, I mean, you just throw all that together and I'm living, I'm living my best life. It's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. You gotta live your best life, man. Uh, I not just wanted to talk to you about living your best life. Um, Oklahoma football, uh, is actually still going as a football program right now, despite, uh, what some people might indicate on social media and OU has a pretty big game against Iowa state this weekend. Well, I, not as big as it could have been. This The Cyclones have been pr- a pretty big disappointment. Like when we talk about OU being disappointing, like I, I don't think enough. If Iowa State was a perennial power, I think more like would be made about what they've done, uh, but it's not kind of gone that way just because they lost to Iowa, lost to Baylor, um, and now they're just losing to the likes of Texas Tech and West Virginia. Uh, Jerry, I want to start just kind of with this game this weekend. 11 a.m. in Norman. 
Oklahoma coming off of this Baylor loss, it feels like the world is kind of falling on OU based on just what I've read on message boards, which are the best places to go to for for OU information. From your perspective, because you cover it all, you cover the Thunder, you cover Oklahoma State, you cover OU. What what is the temperature in the in the, in the Ramsey household as far as Oklahoma football goes? What are you expecting from this team after just such a weird game last weekend where they lost to Baylor? I'll tell you what the temperature is, and this isn't my own personal thoughts yet, but I mean, what what I feel like is everybody around me who's been OU fans, and I, I don't claim to be an OU fan, but I, I definitely uh, am an enthusiast. Uh, I, I know about the program and follow it very closely, but all the fans have been telling me all year, I mean, this isn't the team that we were, you know, promised. This isn't the team. And you go through the, you know, go through the wins and you talk about Nebraska and you talk about West Virginia, Kansas State. You just all, you know, they they aren't, you know, what you've been saying they are, Jerry. And so it's almost as if they have been setting themselves up to be disappointed. OU fans have. It happened last week with Baylor. And so here it is with Iowa State. And like, you know, people are going to watch the game. We're all going to be there at 11 o'clock and do what we're going to do. I mean, I don't think, I don't think attendance is going to lap, but uh, it's just, they, they've wanted to be disappointed the entire time. It actually happened. They put it in the atmosphere. They're disappointed. And so they want to see what Oklahoma does. Do they stand up and turn into that November Oklahoma that everybody knows? Or was this the gut blow and, you know, you can just start jumping on the Oklahoma State bandwagon. That's that's kind of how I feel. I feel like everybody wants OU, like the casual fan wants OU to lose so they can fully put two feet on the bandwagon of Oklahoma State. That's kind of what I feel like right now. Is that, I, I've, I've lived in this state my entire life. I don't know many OU fans that are jumping off the bandwagon to get on, especially because I'm not completely sold on Oklahoma State. Like, I, I think that if, if you put their resume right now uh, up against some of the blue bloods and did I, I, I think I said this on your show, but I mean, if they have a different logo on that helmet, if it's in Ohio state, this is a team that I think is clearly in the top, at least five top six, um, just throw the way that they play defense. And I think that the committee values that, but you make good points though, just as far as just kind of, it feels like when, when people say like this kind of game, Oh, you losing to Baylor, um, was was kind of just like it was inevitable it, it almost feels just like well yeah because you were like manifesting that it was going to happen and then it did and you know i don't think that the world is the, or the sky is falling in oklahoma football i think they played a pretty terrible football game offensively i thought defensively though it was one of their better outputs until like the fourth quarter like i mean to to give up what they did uh and i know there's some maybe some nuance there just as far as just like missed tackles and um baylor you know being able to take advantage of just their physicality against ou's and that's just a bigger problem than a one game thing um but i mean are you expecting oklahoma to to go out on saturday and have the same offensive performance that they did a week ago because i i just don't think that's realistic i th- i think that that game is out of the way. I, I think Oklahoma is going to be better on Saturday. Am, am I crazy? 
Uh, well, no, no. And, and listen, what you're doing, all you're doing is just sort of learning, you know, from history. You're a smart guy. Like, and, you know, you're going to put two and two together. You're going to rationalize. Like, we've seen this before. This, this isn't a brand new season of anything. This is like a rerun season of stuff that we've seen. They get really close to, like, being bad. And then they get punched in the mouth. And usually it's inexplicable. Usually it's a Kansas State team or it's some team that uh, is like, how the hell did they lose to them? This year has not been that year. They've actually beat the inexplicables and they got beat by a top 15 team. Okay. So what the problem is th this team is kind of like a, a old married couple. And I say that because they, they don't complement each other. The defense and the offense, they don't complement each other. And it's not game by game anymore. It's quarter by quarter. Like it just, the offense gets rolling and the defense can't get off the field. You saw Baylor, what I think they stopped him on a third down. But they didn't stop them because the churning of the running back and the whole offensive line pushes OU back. So they pick up the first down. Don't get off, right? And then the defense starts to pick up. You see some knocking back. You see stuff going. But then the offense can't get the ball. They can't run the ball. Uh, there's incompletions here and there. So, like I said, just there's no compliment. And it just hasn't happened this season where the two things get together. And then forget the stepchild and the special teams. Those, those fools went, went rogue. Uh, I mean, you talk about, you know, Burkett, who's uh, probably the most NFL ready guy on the roster missing a 40 yarder is uh, you can't do that whenever you're that guy missing the 51 yarder. I'll kind of give a pass, but he's hit him. So I don't know. It just went it all went to hell. Uh, all three phases of the game uh, and not all at the same time. You can't say that Oklahoma played a bad game. They didn't. What they did, though, is they couldn't complement each other. And by the time the fourth quarter got around, eh, it was over. I, I feel like the Michael Scott meme where he's like slamming on the desk and saying thank you, because I, I feel like this is kind of what I thought. I actually want to uh, just kind of backtrack a second, because I, I want to I, I feel like if, if you are anything, Jerry Ramsey, you're all about intangibles, psyche, team morale. Gabe Burkich, that early field goal. How do you feel about Lincoln Riley and just like some of the decisions he makes on like when to send the field goal unit out? Because I, I was texting with a buddy about this and it felt like a really bad spot to like, Hey, here's your first field goal attempt. Go and try to make this 52 yarder. I know this is the biggest game of the year. This definitely won't shake your confidence. If, if you miss it, did you feel like some of those, those special teams and just kind of the, those game management decisions? I mean, it feels like it's bitten Oklahoma more than it usually has. I think, uh, I, listen, I love my uh, co-host Kelly Gregg, who says this all the time. You have to overcome coaching sometimes. You do. I mean, and no, Lincoln Riley, Lincoln Riley is not the end-all tell-all of game managers. He's not. He does make some interesting play calls. Or, and I'm not going to be a guy that tells you I understand every single X and O, he puts the ability for his quarterback or whatever the play is called to maybe have some options there that you shouldn't have at that time or whatever. Like you just put stuff out there. Um, as far as putting Burkich out there to kick a 51 yard or whatever, nah, I ain't problem with that. I mean, the, the kid is sauce. The kid is absolute sauce. He, he wants to be out there. He wanted to be in that situation. He missed. And like you said, Joe, I, I, I think the kid's going to, if you put him out there to kick a 50 yarder uh, this weekend, he's going to kick it. And I think he's going to have confidence. I don't think that that really that messed with him at all. As far as the other team and like what he's doing on the offensive end and, and or I'm sorry, I, I love saying this too, not Lincoln per se, the offensive coordinator. 
uh, the offensive coordinator sometimes I think gets a little cutesy with himself and uh, forgets that maybe this air raid that he has has been predicated on the run for a long time, uh, but he ain't pre uh, you know predicating right now. That's not what he's doing. He's uh, sitting there and actually putting a little bit more load on this freshman than you know than they probably can handle. To be honest. Well, I, I think I bring up the the kick not so much as like that's like the the basis of the problem, but it was it's just the first thing that pops in my mind when I think about some of the game management decisions, uh, just because it was early and it felt like it, not only that, but like I mean the first series really you can go back to the first offensive possession you had, you know three straight run calls they all go for negative yardage, just not the way you want to set the tone for a football game. Not I, I, I like like you. I'm not X's and O's. I'm not, you know, Keegan or no pouring over game film or anything like that. But I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to understand that it was just a recipe for disaster for that offense. But you mentioned the freshman aspect of it. And I think that probably maybe gets a little bit lost. And I, I, I think that with, you know, Caleb, Caleb came in the spring, um, went through an entire fall camp expecting to be the backup to not get all the reps. He gets thrown in to the Texas game as we all know, and played some very inferior competition. And I thought that, and I'll admit, I'll own up to this. I thought those TCU, Texas tech, Kansas games, I thought that was going to maybe make up for that lost time. Cause I was just like, he can, he can be imperfect right now. And not that he ever really needs to be perfect, but we've seen really good stuff out of him he was in a environment where he could kind of get ready for this gauntlet, but maybe just were, were those too high of expectations to have for, you know, an 18, 19 year old kid to with basically three full games under his belt to go into Waco and play one of the more physical defenses coached by one of the best defensive coaches in the country. I mean, maybe it was just too much to ask of him. No, don't get me wrong. I mean, this kid came in. I mean, have you seen his Twitter? He's, he's Superman. Okay. Uh, confidence is not a problem with him. Confidence is not a problem. And it, I think the last person in the world probably th- that feels overwhelmed is Caleb, you know, Caleb Williams. I, I think this is exactly what he asked for. I like what you said too. He came into the season expecting to be the backup. I, I, I wouldn't use the word expected. I think that he understood he was going to be the backup. Probably true. But, yeah. yeah. But, but I think this kid was ready to come out and do this. I think the complications that it takes to face defenses, you know, like Aranda. And listen, the Aranda thing, he had a good run. He had a good call. Lincoln helped him, okay? Let's not start thinking that Dave Aranda is this guru either because, I mean, on any given day, uh, we saw that. I mean, Oklahoma State took care of him. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not a thing. You have your weeks, you you know, you have your weeks that you're not that good. So it just happened to be Aranda's week. And like I said, you know, a freshman, uh, all the confidence in the world, but maybe Lincoln got a little cutesy. Maybe Lincoln got a little cutesy. Um, I like what you said, too, about the running the ball at first and they all go for negative yards. Well, you know what? You lean on your defense at that point. You got some big, bad you got some big bad men over there, right? Hey, we're not getting it going. Keep us in here. Let's get this going. And that's the complimentary part that I'm talking about. So I like the fact that he did try to establish a run. It's just, where was it in the third quarter? Where was it in the you know fourth quarter? Like, where, where are you keeping up with it? I think Kennedy Brooks what, had 13 touches. And that's, that's kind of ridiculous. No, I mean, a hundred percent. I think that they kind of went away for a little bit. Also, I love how, like, I feel like I'm in the position now where I'm like questioning everything. And like, you're like talking 
almost like me off the ledge a little bit because i'm like I, I was like this is not me this is usually jerry like just being like you know like this team's crap joe tell us tell us how it's going to get fixed and then i tell you but I, I love the i love this i love this dynamic um this this game this weekend though um and i i think that i'm a, probably a little bit more on the optimistic side just as far as just like you know Oklahoma with what they have I think offensively they're still a really good football team they're still nine and one um they're not four and six like you know another team going to the SEC um I think that they can figure some things out against an Iowa State defense that I don't think is as good as normal years um do you have an expectation just for for how close this game can be this weekend I mean, I'm sorry, but I, I think Iowa State's defense is right there with Baylor. And I think if you look at the stats, they're, I disagree. Really, they're really close to each other. They're really close to each other uh, in all the defensive stats or whatever. There's a, a couple of things, right? Uh, and it just is the way it is. And 18 to 22-year-olds will react more to the 83,000 people that are rooting for them. I've never gotten that, by the way. I don't. I love it when people root against me. Like, it just gives me that extra little edge. You went to like, private school, didn't you? I did not go to private school. <laughs> but very much, no, listen, the real life, like the man against me has been most of my life. The man has been against me. So, but I, I've never, 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 uh, I mean, when people root for me or compliment me, it's a little weird. But some of those kids just absolutely feed off of it, right? So the home crowd, and it really is the, the Palace on the Prairie, is a special place for a lot of these guys. I think that's a big thing where they'll perform a little bit better, uh, sleeping in their own bed, coming home and doing what they do. And I, I really do think that Iowa State has gotten into Lincoln's crawl over the last couple of years that he's probably going to prep a little bit better for Matt Campbell than he did Dave Aranda, be very honest with you. Is, can, I, can I put this on my blog? Jerry Ramsey says that Lincoln Riley was looking ahead to Iowa State. <laughs> that's, that's why they... That's why they lost to Baylor. It's a trap. No, listen, you got, <laughs> listen. Have you been to Waco? Obviously, you covered the team before. You, tri- I was, I drove through Waco out. this weekend. Yeah, it's awful. I mean, the the construction alone in Waco would make me not want to get up for a football game. It's awful. And it's that chip, Waco. It's that Chip and Joanna like gal. I mean, they they screwed the whole thing up. I remember going. My wife is from Houston. Driving down through Waco to go to Houston. You had a Luby's. You had that little gas station, and that's what you did, right? If you had a, if you had to eat, you went to Luby's. Uh, you got a couple of things of beef jerky, and you headed to Houston. Now there's all kind of crazy stuff in that place. There's an in and out there, Joe. Those people don't deserve an in and out. They don't. There's one right there. I right stopped there the though. Did you? I, I did go. What's your, uh, in and out? What's your in and out? What was your order? Um, I, I usually go with kind of a uh, double. Well, I was going to say a basic burger, but I go with like the double double. But sure. I, I guess saying going basic is pretty uh, redundant at in and out because it's such a small menu. Yeah. Um, but then animal style fries. You got to get the animal style. I disagree completely. I cannot wow. stand the animal sauce. I know. I, you know what? Wow. Sue me. I'd, I'm a gr- I'm a grown ass man, okay, and my taste buds have been developed three and four times over now. So the animal style is so overrated. And then I did I oh I got the biggest thing of animal style fries the first time I went because I've heard all that stuff and I was like this is disgusting. You so, think yeah, that I, I, I no one told you though about In and Out before you would have liked it better? No, 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 no. I'm fine. I I understood I understood what it was right. And okay. the whole in the name of the place is called In and Out, right? Yeah, like it's supposed to be simple burgers that you can get and knock it out, and the simplification of they it. They ask if you're going to eat in your car, so it's, it's perfect. But uh, yeah, the burger, the burger is fine by itself. It really is. But 
Is it overrated? It's rated. I don't know. If I went to Waco, I'd go to In-N-Out also. You, you might be wondering why we're talking about In-N-Out, not OU football, but this is actually a perfect segue because I think that OU is not completely overrated. I think they were properly rated. Um, they, they dropped a 13 in the college football playoff rankings. Like this is kind of the thing that I get into with OU and OSU this year. They're both one loss teams that, uh, I mean, Oklahoma state's loss. I don't think any, despite Iowa state's record, I don't think OSU should feel any shame for losing to the cyclones. OU really shouldn't feel any shame losing to Baylor. And you made a, you made a terrific point. This is like the one year of the Lincoln Riley era era where you can point to the loss and you can say like, yeah, they deserve to lose that game. Like they, they were definitely in a position where, you know, it wasn't 2017 Iowa state. It wasn't a, a bad Texas team. I, well, I guess that Texas team went to the big 12 title game, but Oh, you should have won probably that game in 2018. And then you lose to Kansas state 2019. Um, it, it's just a lot of things, but I, I think that preseason expectations as well as kind of the branding around both teams has really affected how we view OU and OSU. Um, whereas like Oklahoma has been, you know, a group of underachievers that have not lived up to their potential where OSU, I don't think anyone was really projecting them to win the big 12 title. Uh, and I, I don't really want to look too far ahead to Bedlam. Cause I know you, OU has uh, a game against Iowa state on Saturday, but while, while I have you on the program, I mean, are, are I, I made mention I'm, I'm not completely bought into OSU. I think they have a really good defense, but I'm still not sold that a Mike Gundy is going to win a coaching duel with Lincoln Riley. And I'm also not sold that Spencer Sanders is going to be able to handle that type of game. Where are you on the Cowboys right now? If this was any other logo on that helmet, I would tell you that OU is in trouble. Like they're going on the road to face this solid defense of men, right? All these guys are like 22, 23. Like they, they're going on the road to face this defense of men um, that are just loaded for bear. They got the chip on their shoulder. They weren't picked high. You know, they had to fight to where they were. And uh, man, it, it, I mean, you're just, you're looking, especially after going through Baylor and Iowa State, like you're going to have to lick your wounds because you're going to have to play, you know, really hard and, and hopefully, you know, sc- uh, scoot out of there. They have that damn OSU on their helmet. And historically, and we both, like I said, I, mean, I think we both appreciate history. Historically, Mike Gundy just doesn't do that well. Just doesn't. He's been the favorite a couple of times. And I've seen uh, Blake Bell run out of there uh, with a victory. Like, I, I just, I'm telling you, I, I just, that's the only thing. Historically, you look at that and that guy's still there. Mike Gundy is still there. I think that OSU defense is a monster. I did. It's, it's, really it's, good. it's awesome to watch and you know despite the quarterback play they win despite despite what they do and he's doing old-fashioned right he's running the ball down people's throats he's letting their defense set their offense up their field you know the field uh positioning they're playing the clock it's gorgeous if you're a just old school football fan but they got that got that stupid pete they got that pete guy and (laughs) <laughs> that just it, it just doesn't play it just doesn't play well uh for them when it comes to the Sooners. That's that's the basis. I know that that's not I'm sorry, there's not an X, there's not an O. Uh you know, there's not a post route. Uh there's not a reach around or reach through or whatever kind of reach it is. There's none of that. I'm just telling you, that's where I am on Bedlam is I like everything about OSU except for the fact they're OSU. I no, I and I tend to agree and I I think that I mean, I tend to just because I'm not Nexus and O's guys, I, I think I look at sports more philosophically 
than really anything. And when you look at like kind of how OU's performed against, you know, teams that I think that, that OU knows they are, I, I guess, for lack of a better phrasing above, um, you get teams like a, like a Baylor, or a, uh, this year, West Virginia that want to knock off the Kings of the conference, which they have been for the past six years. But I think when you do get into these games with a, a team like Texas, that I think they believe that they're, if not on the same level above OU. Mm-hmm. And then I think Oklahoma state also has a little bit of that same thing where they, they feel like they're on the same level as Oklahoma. And I, I, I think that's where some of that just kind of the past few years, it, the, the past few years, I will say about Bedlam and I don't want to spend too much. We've already spent a lot of time on Bedlam, but the, the past few years with some of the teams that Mike Gundy's had, there's just been like certain years where I'm just like that, you know, a, a guy like Chuba Hubbard's going to run all over Oklahoma and it just hasn't happened uh, or it never happened. Um, they've had some really good players and I'm just like, is Mike Gundy going to utilize Jalen Warren to his full potential? Is he going to utilize some of those skill guys that he has that uh, the, the, you know, uh, Presley um, just like, he's got a lot of dudes. Um, it's just a matter of like, whether or not he's going to utilize them. We saw how Bijan Robinson disappeared from the fourth quarter of that OU Texas game. I think if Sark still goes to Bijan and they play clock control, Texas wins that football game. Um, but you're going into a matchup this weekend where I have no doubts that that Iowa State is going to to give everything OU can handle. The, the one thing that I, I do think is interesting, and I'm curious just where you see him kind of like in a Big 12 running back conversation, Brees Hall, he's had a really good statistical year, but this just if you're, I, I don't uh, assume you're a big advanced analytics guy, uh, Iowa State has not been great at running the ball just as far as just like the advanced stats say their success rate is lower than I think about 90 teams in the country as far as running the ball goes. Um, I don't know if OU's defense is capable of keeping them to that and keeping those explosive plays off the ground. Um, Brees Hall, though, I, I think that's probably the biggest threat that that Iowa State can really throw at Oklahoma because, I mean, I, I'm just not big on Brock Purdy. Um, never really have been. Uh, but is this, a, is this a game where OU's defense can maybe get right as far as just getting back to, I think, two weeks ago against Texas tech where it actually kind of looked like, okay, this team might be able to kind of withstand some of the challenges they have ahead in November. I'll be very honest with you. I, I, they're going to have to make Iowa state one dimensional. And you said, you don't see other places that they could hurt them, but I'm telling you, they had fits with Charlie Kolar and have, and as soon as that kid retires, they'll be happy to see him go. Uh, that has been a matchup that they have just had nightmares with. So they're either going to have to go ahead and let Brees Hall get what he gets and try to make sure that they're not letting the uh, receivers and Hutchinson and Kolar and stuff get their little business or the other way around, really focus on keeping Brees Hall to a minimum, which good luck with that. The guy's uh, really, really good. Uh, and then, you know, just taking your, making sure that, you know, is uh, Brock pretty going to beat you with his arm? And then, so that's kind of what you're dealing with. You want to say that, Hey, we're going to force it. We're going to, you know, crowd the box. We're going to try to stop Brees Hall and whatever, make Purdy beat us. But if Purdy doesn't turn it over, which he's prone to, that's kind of the, the rep on him. But if he doesn't, man, you're playing with fire. Uh, Iowa State has some really good offensive weapons uh, that they can use. And OU's proven that they can't stay consistent in four quarters. The biggest problem, Joe, really the biggest problem with the OU defense, can they play four quarters? 
They can play two for sure. They can play three sometimes, and they're pretty good. Can they play four quarters? Because that's what it's going to take, the defense to play four quarters against this Iowa State team to, to get out of here with this. I I don't know if it, if there's any really correlation, but I, I think you've noticed less rotation from this defense. And it does feel like a stark comparison to what they were at the beginning of the year, where I thought the OU defense in September was fine. Like, I didn't really have any qualms with them. I mean, the two-lane game was, like, the weirdest one of them all, but I just think that was a the the offense put them in kind of a tough spot just as, as short as they their 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 drives were going but um it feels like as they've shrunk this rotation a little bit and it, it almost uh, some of them too as well as just like the fact that they even though the rotation has shrunk not all of their best guys are on the field at the same time and i think that has to get figured out um, and if not, I mean, at what point do we see some younger players like a Clayton Smith or a Latrell McCutcheon more? I mean, Latrell has had his t- like time and I think he's like, I don't know if he's right or wrong. He's been kind of played his way out of snaps, but you've got a lot of young guys that blue chip, you know, four star, five star guys that are not five star, but, um, they've got some good players on that side of the ball. Um, I, I just think that there is that there's a potential for this defense to still be good just because last week was the first time all year that they were completely healthy. Um, and I, I think that maybe makes a difference is just as far as just like, okay, Woody Washington, you know, first game back, there's gotta be some rust there. And I, I think that, and I don't know if I did say that like Brees Hall was the only one they need to worry about it. If I did, I misspoke. I, Cause I do think that Charlie Kolar, Xavier Hutchinson, really, really good football players, not completely sold on Brock Purdy, but I mean, if he can, you know, if Max Duggan and Skylar Thompson can carve up OU, Brock Purdy can as well. Um, but this, this football game as a whole, I think it ends up being somewhere like 42, 38. And I think that Oklahoma can win that game. Um, it's just a matter of whether Iowa state's defense is capable, I think of stopping OU's passing game. Cause I think it's very clear at this point, just where, or where Lincoln Riley feels about his running game. I mean, is it just perplexing to you that you have a Eric Gray, a Kennedy Brooks, and then a, I don't, I don't know if Marcus major has gone up against enough good of competition for us to fully say that that is a third serviceable running back. But I mean, just, I, I, I wonder just is it puzzling to you just how often Lincoln Riley goes away from the, the players that he has, or do you think he's justified in not, in not going to those dudes? No, it's, it, it's absolutely perplexing. It's absolutely perplexing. Uh, especially with this uh, offensive line with uh, Bobby, how many times have we said Bobby and Bo's maybe the best coach on staff, right? Uh, the guy just about, right. We've said that a ton of times hadn't happened this year. Hasn't that GT counter that was just, you know, they're, their sharp knife that they would pull out. It ain't working this year. It is not working this year. So they're having to come up with something else on the fly. Meanwhile, the disappearance of, uh, of Eric Gray is uh, just, what is that meme where the kid does his, you know, two thing peace signs and then disappears like that. Oh, that's, yeah. That is, I know what you're Eric, talking about. That is Eric Gray. It's just like, Hey, I was, I'm the starter. Oh, sorry. <laughs> out. And, to, and then all of a sudden Marcus major, you know, is, is back. But then he's not back. And I just, I don't understand. Kennedy Brooks, if you go back and look at him historically, seven, eight yards per carry for his career, right? For his career. So how are you not just using this guy, Rodney Anderson style from a couple of years ago? Is it the offensive line? If it's the offensive line, then, I mean, that's a huge problem. 
and that's probably part of why Caleb is in there and why Spencer Rattler got the hook is because Spencer did not make the offensive line look good. Caleb sort of made up for some of that stuff. So yes, I'm perplexed on why the run game isn't used more, but the answer is right in front of us. Is it the offensive line? If so, I mean, those cats need to get it going here in the next couple of weeks. I mean, I, I hope that with Oklahoma's loss, I feel like the kind of I, I, Lincoln Riley kind of dismissed this idea that it takes a loss for them to make changes, but it has felt that way just as far as OU loses a game and then they make changes. I will be curious to see if anyone on the offensive line loses their job or maybe has a shorter leash on Saturday, um, because I think that's the root of Oklahoma's problems is the offensive line. But I still think that there's a good offensive line among that group. I sometimes question whether or not 2020 and COVID, the way that practices were set up, um, just the the training in general, stunted development, because I don't really know if there's a good offensive line in the Big 12. Um, there are some good players. There are some good like individual, uh, some good individual dudes, but there, I don't know if there's any unit that like among the Big 12 that I can definitively say that is a great offensive line. Um, and kind of going back to our conversation about like overrated, underrated, just that this group just is kind of is what it is. I mean, I think that, you know, they don't suck, but they, they're just not, they're not what Oklahoma fans are maybe accustomed to. And I think that's probably a little, little sobering just as far as how the standard has been raised. You don't ever want to regress, but I think that Lincoln Riley and, and that coaching staff, I mean, we talk, you know, Bill Biedenboe having the, the reputation that he has, I don't think the seat is hot for him, but if he is that guy, he needs to go out and prove it. Um, and, and, you know, earn that big paycheck that he gets every year. And I, I think that Bill Biedenboe probably though is more than anyone in that coaching staff, um, other than maybe Alex Grinch is harder on his group than anyone else. Um, so I don't really have any issues with, 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 with what the direction of that group is going. I think if 2022, you still see that then there is a bigger problem at hand. Um, but regardless, um, OU, Iowa state on Saturday, Jerry, I, I appreciate you helping me kind of talk through some things, uh, very rational, Absolutely. very logical. This is always. not what you expected, right? You thought I was just going to come on here and just start like dropping bombs or whatever. Right. I thought you were going to, you know, channel that inner bad boy that you're known for on the <laughs> Oklahoma city radio waves. Just, I was hoping for that, man. I'm sorry about that. I, I really do. I, I, I'm sorry about that, but you know, um, the truth of the matter is I, I do pay a lot of attention and I, I get just great, great feedback from Dylan Buckingham, uh, who does a great job. I do like Kelly Gregg, uh, basically you'll get a, you, you know, you can get a master's in football, just hang, just copying off of his paper. It's really weird. <laughs> uh, as a, uh, as an athlete, when he was at you at OU, a terrible student, but now that he's older, uh, you know, his, his savantness when it comes to football is incredible. So I get to soak a lot of that in and, and I get to use all that to sort of spit it back out and uh, just kind of open up a picture and conversations and stuff and kind of, you know, what do, you, what do people really, my whole thing is I want to know what people really think. The easy thing to do is like, oh, you lost, right? And so the easy thing to do is get out there and start screaming, oh, they're terrible. They're horrible. You saw them, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, switch your narrative back when they win again. I really want to know what you think. And that, that, that's kind of whenever I start talking and I want to trigger you and, 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 and hear 
you know, your actual thoughts about the stuff instead of just going with the flow and, you know, what your Walmart greeter says. So that's, that's kind of why I, I take that route. I feel like you just took a shot at a, at a few people in the market, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I did listen. I don't, I don't have any business taking a shot. People listen here. Here's what I think too. And it's kind of goes, we were talking about beating bow and you said earning his paycheck, bro. Do you know how stressful it has to be to know that you're, you know, that the, the food you're feeding your kids and you know, your wife, you got to keep her dressed and got to keep her in, you know, in a good car. She's going to leave you. Uh, and knowing that you got to depend on this 18 year old kid, like to do his job well for you to keep your job. So your wife sticks around. So your kids still like you, like, it's just, I imagine that stress is crazy and I don't have it. I mean, everybody that's in this market and does this market, um, you, you got where you are because of what you did. I do it different than you do. Uh, so I respect, I respect what people do. Do I like everybody? No, but I do respect uh, the people out there and the grind and the hustle of doing this. Cause a hundred years ago, back whenever I got my start, there's like four dudes, <laughs> there are four dudes and they're still around and they're not dying. You cross your fingers, but they're not dying. So the opportunity now for everybody to get there and get a voice, uh, I really enjoy it. And that's part of why I'm out here too. So. Well, I think that you, and I know you said you don't like compliments, but you and Dylan do a terrific job and uh, appreciate you always having me on the show because I do think that you have a good dynamic as far as, uh, as creamy D's personality goes and <laughs> your overall aura just, it mixes really well. So I, I appreciate that. And the, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, we can just randomly call you the Tex-Mex Messiah. And you don't miss a beat. I mean, it's just, it, it, it's like I said, right now we're just kind of, you know, throwing little hearts at each other. Uh, like we're on a fans only, whatever cam, but yeah. Uh, love what you do on the show. Uh, even, even when you thought you were getting out of the business, we still, I still pressed to, to have you on. And if, you know, if we were going to talk, if we were going to talk enchiladas, I didn't care. I wanted you on for 10 minutes so we could get some stuff done. So I, I think you do a good job too. I appreciate it, man. I, I mean, if you want me to bring it down a little bit, I am a little bit upset as much as I'm on the little Caesars hot and ready hotline. I've not received any coupons, no free little Caesars. I'm just waiting for that to happen. I have to do a a 10 second, like terrible read just to get a free pizza every now and then. (laughs) Like I, you, I don't think, you know, the, the cut COVID killed everything. Like you're right. We used to swim in pizzas, but after COVID happened and all that, and everybody's budget got cut like in 75%. Like I talked to the, uh, the agent that has the little Caesars hot and ready. I was like, Hey man, you know, I do the read and whatever. And he like, he has to go to like the bottom of his, uh, glove compartment to get me like a coupon. He's like, Oh yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you. I go, well, okay, thanks. That's how it goes, man. That's uh that's kind of, I feel like everything that has gotten worse over the last year is just like, well, COVID clearly. It's just, oh, don't even start me on it. I have a couple of <laughs> the whole Thanksgiving is going to cost you a bunch of money. That is the man barreling down on the mid on the middle class. That is, there are rich people with six and seven turkeys behind them laughing and doing their hands like this. Oh, we're gonna charge them a ton this year. <laughs> so, and and before I get out of here, I'm gonna use this to, to get this out because nobody will let me say this on my show. Um, th- and that whole the man pinning somebody down is what they're doing to OU. I am not an OU homer by any means, but you can see like the man putting his thumb on OU for their past transgressions. 
And I say that they put together that college football playoff and it's their nice little party that they put together with all the China and whatever. And OU has shown up drunk too many times. OU shows up to their little final four party and they are drunk. They did the Georgia thing, which was, oh, that's OU and that's Georgia. They did it together. But then they showed up again against Alabama and LSU. And finally, they said, not this year, not this year. You're not going to do it. You're undefeated, eight. You lost to a top 15 team, 13. You are not showing up drunk to our party this year, OU, as they sit there. I just... There's something, and we've we've talked about our our own philosophical views on football. There is part of me that, and I said this on your show, and I'll say this again. I want to see just any other Big Twelve team really in the playoff. Because, and I'm not saying this from like a defensive, like petty, like OU grad standpoint, but I just I don't think that people can conceptualize that because there's four spots for the playoff, that there are four deserving teams for that playoff. And I think that probably most OU fans would agree that like 2018, 2019, those teams probably were and nowhere near close, but they were so like just above the rest of the pack that they got in and they were the ones who had to take the beating from a historic LSU team, a historic L. Oh, and I mean, I don't know if the 2018 was a historic Alabama team. They lost to Clemson, but the Saban machine that is Alabama. And I, I think about this too, in terms of like NFL quarterbacks, when people are like Baker Mayfield sucks, it's just like, there are 32 NFL starting quarterbacks. Not all of them are good. Like you're just never going to have 32 dudes that are all reliable. That's just not going to happen. It's not, it's just not. And if it did, the league would be awesome. But and I'm not not to say that I don't like watching the NFL on Sundays. I'm not saying that. But I think it's hard to conceptualize when there are available space for certain things that everything has to meet that same standard. And that's just not possible. And I think going into this year, I mean, you saw it last year with uh, Notre Dame getting in. They got the the doors, you know, uh, they or they got the what's the phrase? They, they got the doors blown off of them. Um, you had Ohio State. Uh, was able to, you know, beat a pretty good Clemson team in, in a blowout fashion. And I'll be interested to see if, uh, if it comes, you know, I guess whatever, you know, New Year's Eve or whatever it is, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with the playoff. Cause I think we are kind of getting more and more consolidated even more than before, just as far as just like, there's just so few good, so few teams that are championship caliber, but someone has to fill out the rest of the bracket. And remember, I'm 100 years old. At least you guys get to see them play. At least you guys get to see the best of the best. You don't have to wait for the AP or UPI, which, by the way, my ex-wife's UPI didn't work, and that's how I got my second kid. But at least you don't have to worry about all that uh, the next day to see who the national championship is, okay? It's uh, I, I, I was, I was trying to explain to someone the other day that the AP voters used to pick the national champion before bowl season and just jaw to the floor, jaw to the floor. <laughs> Could you imagine? Oh, Could you imagine <laughs> you know how many yes. national championships? Oh, you would have, if that was still the case. <laughs> Bob Stoops would have three statues in Norman. <laughs> so, like I said, I, I just enjoy, just enjoy the way it is right now. Cause at least you get to see some really good head to head matchups. Yeah. 
standards are high, but just be happy. Don't be miserable. That's uh, that's that's a good way to go about. That's your mantra. That is that's what you you brought that to the table. I'm manifesting it. Yeah. I think that was the first time that positivity was like actively encouraged on your radio program. But and I and I take ownership of that. Good for I you. Take all the credit. I'm not a fan. I just <laughs> not the biggest fan. Uh, being being somewhat negative has gotten me pretty far. So <laughs> I've always I, said you're you're the Colin Cowherd of of the South. <laughs> Oh, I wish I had the paycheck and the ratings. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Jerry, uh, where can people find you on the internet? All right, you got 10 more minutes here. Uh, obviously, uh, 107.7, the franchise. I do the uh, TV on the radio with Dylan Buckingham every day from 11 to 1. Uh, Kelly Gray comes in. I do an entirely different show uh, with a former athlete from 1 to 3. Uh, that is the franchise players. You like classic rock? Join uh, 1041 uh, from uh, 6 to 10. It's the Rock and Roll Morning Show. B103, Throwback Hip Hop and r and I am the voice uh, and face of Throwback Hip Hop and r and in Oklahoma City. Don't forget my old man game, a multimedia experience. Uh, we just don't do podcasts. Uh, we're doing a show at Rodeo Cinema next Saturday. We're going to have the Bedlam uh, game on a big screen at the uh, Rodeo Cinema. Uh, me, Brendan Rabar, and Daniel Bell. Also, the best Thunder coverage. Oh, yeah, Thunder pregame show. Before every single Thunder game after football season, uh, we'll be on and doing that. Uh, gosh, I about 4 o'clock, I'm usually on the corner picking up my kid from the bus stop. Uh, and also, I think on Thursday evenings, um, the garage or Los Arcos here in uh, Edmond uh, with my wife having uh, drinks. So I think I covered everything. I, I think you got it. Uh- I just, you said, where can people find you? And so I just, I, I think that nailed everything. I'm not, I quite think, sure. I, I think I had an expectation that you might take that one way and you just ran with it. You just ran, you just ran completely with it. And I appreciate that. And then I know you, you know, you used to do this and maybe you could do this. Could you transcribe that and uh, put that out where people can find me? I'll tell you if anyone, uh, <laughs> if anyone hates transcribing as much as me, uh, otter, um, which is an app it's uh it like kind of transcribes for you has been a life-changing uh, experience so i uh i tend to not transcribe kind of the normal way i used to but uh otter otter.ai if anyone is curious is a very phenomenal thing if you're just trying to uh I, I, I keep they keep telling me like uh, like do you have school like this is great for taking notes i'm like no i'm i'm done with that not going back my poor wife has to take minutes and meetings. So I'll, I'll mention to her otter. It's uh, it, it really is a really okay. cool app. Okay. Um, but anyway, Jerry, man, I uh, appreciate you uh, for coming on eyes on Oklahoma podcast for your first time. And, you know, we'll see if number two comes around. <laughs> we'll see for sure. I'll cross my fingers. <laughs> but seriously, man, I uh, appreciate you having me on my show. I'm glad you could come on mine. So uh, anyway, um, that, uh, that about does it for us today on the eyes and Oklahoma podcast, you know, where to find us all my ma- major podcast platforms. Um, and if you're on the Apple podcast app, leave us a five-star rating and review. Uh, it helps get the word out about the show, Jerry. Thank you so much, man. And uh, we'll be back next week to talk OU Oklahoma state and wrap up Iowa state. Thanks for listening.